are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms and also subscribe to the website, CanesCounty.com, for free. Use the promo code Miami30. And I'm joined today by Brandon O'Doy, representing for footballhotbed.com. How's it going today, Brandon? Doing good, man. Trying to start the week off. It's been kind of tough. Yeah, it, it's been kind of tough for everybody who saw the game Saturday night between Miami and Georgia Tech. I think everybody is still trying to gather their thoughts about the situation this was a fail of epic proportions by Miami in the final 30 seconds of this game. Uh, it, it was just an absolute fail, you know, for anybody who kind of missed it. Miami had the ball late. Uh, all they had to do was kneel down and the game would be over. Miami decides to run the ball with Don Chaney. He ends up fumbling the ball, whether it was a fumble or not. That's another question we can kind of dive into. But Georgia Tech ends up getting the ball at their own 26-yard line, 26 seconds left, drives down the field, scores. Game is over. Georgia Tech wins. Unbelievable finish, Brandon. I mean, you were there. What what was going through your head when, when all this was unfolding? Nothing. I was trying to finish my story that said Miami snuck by Georgia Tech. Like, literally, I was looking down at my computer. I look up, and you got kids at Georgia Tech signaling got the ball. I, I'm thinking to myself, this has to be a joke. Because I had already typed in Tyler Van Dyke's stats. I had already said there's no way he ever throws another pass. So all his stats were in my sheet. And I'm not even somebody who writes a big, you know, gamer after that because I know people will look at, you know, your site and, you know, AP and other places, you know, to determine where, you know, what actually happened in the game. I write a responsible gamer, a few critiques, a few highlights, and I get out of there in 500 words. But yeah, I'm finally ahead of the game and really, like, almost have my story done on the way down to interviews. And I look up, and Georgia Tech has the ball. And I couldn't believe it. And, and, yeah. and that's the thing about it. Like, I was there and couldn't believe it. So I, I can't even imagine someone who was watching on television or who heard about the game or went back and watched on DVR. I was sitting right there, and I still can't believe a game was won and the opponent was given an opportunity to reverse the outcome. And, you know, it's like the phrase, you, you know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. That I hate to re repeat something crazy like that, but that's almost what happened to the University of Miami when they inexplicably didn't take a knee and then all of a sudden a Georgia Tech team, which had almost no offense the entire game outside of a few big plays, put together a 74-yard drive in less than 20-something seconds. It, I mean, it's just – it's unthinkable what happened. Yeah, it, it was just surreal for me. Same for me. I had my story kind of ready to go. 
with the title of Miami, you know, escapes narrow win over Georgia Tech. And I'm down in the press room, and luckily the game was on in the press room. Usually it's not. And, you know. See, that's why I'd never sneak down early. I never never (laughs) sneak down early. You can get burned, man. You miss up the elevator now. Not saying you're a bad guy. I mean, the game should have been over. Like, you should have been able to comfortably go down there. Right. Exactly. And like I said, luckily the game was on. The sound wasn't on. But we were watching and we were like, oh my God, uh, he fumbled. They're reviewing it. Is he down or not? Oh my God, Georgia Tech has the ball. And there was a delay on the game. So we're hearing the crowd react and we're like yeah oh my god what's going on yeah we're hearing screams um we 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 caught up to the part where they have the ball and they made that first play and then we hear the screams so we're like oh well they're in field goal range they're about to tie this game and i have to probably go back up to watch the overtime and then we saw the play it was just it was just unfathomable to, to really kind of grasp in my head what happened. And I'm sure it was for this coaching staff, the team, fans. But when you when you look back at the whole situation, they elected to run the ball. They could have easily kneeled down. Who's to blame? Who's to I think it's pretty much an easy answer, but how much blame do you I'm put give you a, on I'm going to give you an Mario answer you, you're not ready for. I'm actually going to okay. give you an answer you're not ready for. So who's ask to blame, the question. Who, who, who's to blame for this loss? You ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> no, no. I've had time to think about it. Everybody's to blame. And I'm going to tell you why. The head coach is principally to blame, right? Sure. But at the same time, a mistake that big is too big to just lay on someone's shoulders. Now, he he should shoulder the load. This is Mario Cristobal's cross to bear for sure, right? But I've got to blame every member of his coaching staff with a headset. i got to blame anybody who's too afraid to say, kneel the bleeping ball. Anybody who is too afraid not willing to hold coach accountable, anybody who just didn't have the wherewithal to say, you know, whatever, I got to blame every captain on that team. I have to put the blame of Tyler Van Dyke for having just an incredible, I've been saying Tyler Van Dyke is a so-so quarterback to anybody who would hear. I think I've said it on this podcast. I've been so underwhelmed with this guy who gets so much acclaim. He proved me right. And it's it's not that I don't like the kid. It's just I don't like when people give somebody more than they've shown. This kid had, had a good sophomore year, and, and that's been it. He had a good game against Texas A&M, and up to this point, that's the highlight of his career. You go back a year before that, he was mediocre at best. This He's been more what he was on Saturday than he's been anything else. And to our knowledge, he's completely healthy, you know, outside of this thing that's going on with his finger. And he's been dealing with that for four weeks and has won four straight games. Plus, he's had a bye week to continue to improve. So this is just who he is. And it's like 
I, I don't have to be a football coach for 20 plus years. I can, I'm sitting at the games in the press box and watching people run wide open and him not throw them the ball. You know what I mean? I don't have to be a guru. I don't need a big salary. The game is take the ball, deliver the ball to someone, let them catch it and let them run as long as they can. And when someone is running free or running about to be free, your job as a quarterback, particularly in the ACC and power five is to deliver them the ball. That's why you're here. That's why you got four stars. That's why you're on this roster. That's why presumably Alabama and other people courting you in the offseason. And that's why you've been given this quote-unquote Heisman hype, which is completely done. A couple years ago, it was first-round hype. That's done. So I blame everybody. I blame I blame the fans for not screaming, kneel the ball, kneel, like when it looked like they were not kneel. I blame everybody. And that's just being dramatic. But it's just... I mean, this is on crystal ball. Let, let's face it. I mean, you just, how can you not do that? And the referees were terrible. Let's talk about, and I, I know you'll get to this. Yeah. Don Chaney was down, but you got to protect. I said this after the game and, and, and on a clip on our podcast that's now kind of doing really well on YouTube. I said it was a surrender. And, and that's the easiest way I can explain it, Marcus. You, sur- you had a win firmly in grasp, and you put your hands in the air. I, I don't, I don't get that. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand what you mean by surrender. Like, why would you surrender to a loss? That's why it's so unconscionable. Because you, by football rule, have to do something that the other team absolutely cannot stop. It's a 99% foolproof play to snap and knee and the game is over and you said instead I surrender I am going to run a play that puts this game that is completely almost unquestionably over back into play that's a surrender I I think a a surrender to me is more like I I I want to do this willingly I don't think they you don't think it's a surrender. surrender I mean, I don't want to get into linguistics class, but my question is if you're saying that it wasn't a surrender, you're saying that they willfully ignored the fact that the game couldn't because what I'm saying is the game was won, everybody understands, and it's like, mm, yeah, the game's won, but let's not. You know what I mean? Let's not um, let's take the game beyond the being won, and, and and let's try to add to what could potentially happen in this game. Yeah, I mean, I you know what's funny is because Mario every week is always saying we ex- we respect the opponent, we take it. You know, we take it very seriously. We, we respect everything about every opponent that they play from Miami of Ohio to Temple to Georgia Tech. But to me, the fact that you run the ball when the game was won means you didn't respect your opponent. You didn't think the unthinkable could happen, which was them stripping the ball away in the last moment. He underestimated 
what Georgia Tech could do in that moment. And and we talked to, we talked about this, you know, off camera that they ran the ball with Don Chaney eight times in a row. Yeah. On that eighth time in a row is when he fumbled. So you also thought, okay, well, it doesn't matter that my running back is going to run the ball eight straight times. He is going to not fumble the ball because these guys are not capable enough to strip the ball away in this moment. He underestimated his opponent to to the degree where it, you know, backfired on him. I, I think that's more of a, a, a better explanation than just surrendering because well, surrendering is almost like, okay, well, I don't want to win this game. I, I would rather for this other team to win, which obviously is not something he wants to do. I think he just underestimated Georgia Tech stripping the ball away on that play. Well, I would buy that, except Miami was in trouble most of this game. You see what I'm saying? So this game was very much lost. You know what I mean? You you only lead 3-0 at the half. They come out, and, and, and I don't remember the – you know, the box score or when the, the points took place, but Miami trailed and had to go up, you know, in in, in the, the final moments of this game yeah. in order to be in a position to be able to kneel the ball. You understand what I'm saying? And so they had to have enough respect because they had a woeful night on offense. They were kicking field goals, trying to manufacture points all over the place. Because Tyler Van Dyke was just, it was not his night. And, you know, I have to be fair to him. You know, this is probably the worst game he's had. He's been pretty decent up to this point. He threw three interceptions on this night. You know what I mean? And so the only reason I'm not buying what you're saying is because, hey, when you finally turn that thing around in a game that you had to do everything in order to finally grab the lead and potentially win, you get out of there the fastest way you can. You don't, that's like saying, you know, I, I, I'm in a dangerous place. Let me take the longest route out of here. No, you run out the back door. You get out of there as fast as you can and you take a knee and you go home. And that's right. why I think it's a surrender because somebody, and this is my theory, and I don't know, I, we'll never find out the answer to this. I think in the waning moments of that game, or maybe like like you said, as Don Chaney began to approach 100 yards, he got eight consecutive carries, as you pointed out. Great journalism by you. And then somebody either before that series of events or near, somebody said, "You know what, Don's near 100. Let's try to get it for him, and let's give some, you know, the the viewers context. This is a kid who's been injured so many times. He was injured during." High school, I believe twice. I know he was injured his senior year. He's yeah. injured at, at the University of Miami at least two full seasons, uh, yeah. maybe more than that. This is a kid that has been in battle. He's gone through a ton of things. But no matter what he's gone through and trying to give him, you know, what is considered that hallmark, you know, stat, uh, it's still inexcusable to try to pursue that over winning a football game. And so right. – Whoever said that in the ear set or whoever suggested that that happened, 
it, the fact that it was an immediate shot down in favor of, you know, a win or a special season, like there are people now saying Miami shouldn't even be ranked in the top 25. They've only lost one game. They beat a Texas A&M team. They had Alabama on the ropes, questionable calls in that game. This team has, by and large, been pretty good. I've watched a lot of college football. This team has a lot of talent. They laid an egg. They had a bad game. But it's just like Miami Norland versus Booker T. You don't apologize for winning games. You know what I mean? You can play terrible all game long, and that's not up to your standard. Shannon Dawson had a terrible game uh, calling the offense. I mean, his worst we've seen. Um, But at the end of the day, he was going to get a win. And so I call it a surrender. If you don't agree with that, that's fine. I'm, we both agree it was terrible and a bad thing to do and, and just the worst call you can make in that position. But yeah. whatever you want to call it, it was all bad news because what you what we should be talking about is how Miami is 5-0, nationally ranked in the top 15, yeah. getting, head, getting ready to head to UNC, had an amazing recruiting night, picked up a big-time commit with Nightcar, impressed Jeremiah Smith and all the commits about what, you know, this program has to offer. Yeah, it didn't look that great on offense, but that's the perfect time to pitch and say, you know, Jeremiah, we need you to come in and make this thing happen. You're going to walk right in. You're going to have, you know, whatever collective cash you need to do what you need to do. And it would have been perfect, but you fumbled all of that away. Now, now you have recruits saying to each other, you know, their parents saying, oh, X and X coach would have never allowed that to happen. And drawing, you know, comparisons right. like that. It's like, and now people are calling up your past, going back to Stanford in 2018 when you had Oregon, you're getting this title and this tag that you're not a good game managing coach. Like, th- those are hard things to shake. And I'm going to tell you, Marcus, like, the only thing that can reverse this, the Middle Tennessee-ish in this program, is to win a national championship. And how do you get there? If you can't manage games, right, right, you have to uh, win yeah. close games to be a good team, right? Exactly. Uh, Mario Cristobal has seemed to do everything right this season, as far as you know, even re- recruiting last season. I mean, the fact that he got a top 10 class with a five win uh season is remarkable, and he's on his way to another. I would say top 10 class this season. So he's done everything right when it comes to recruiting. And I did worry about late game situations, close game situations, because we haven't seen it really this season. They even against the Texas A&M game, they beat that team by 15 points. It wasn't really, really dicey towards the end. Like this was the first time they were in a situation where they had to have a big play a uh, a big stop and a big coaching decision now ultimately on offense they were able to make the big plays despite tvd's terrible game with three interceptions they made the plays late to win the game yeah except for when it came to the very last offensive play that they ran which should have been victory formation and uh, which to me is just it's, it's just inexplainable how how they would lose this game on something like that. But to be honest, it is something that should have never happened for a variety of reasons. I think actually Don Chaney was down. I'm not sure why they didn't call 
his elbow down. I think everybody kind of seen the elbow hit the ground before it was ripped away from him. But at the same time, why put your running back in that situation? Why give him eight straight carries? It's just, and then the fact that Miami wasn't able to stop this team that they've been stopping all night in 26 seconds. It was literally maybe, I don't know, two plays or something like that. Because, that went because, down the field because I, 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 here's what I think happened. I think they were just surprised to be on the field. They thought, they they thought they this game was over. Mentally, they've already checked out of this game. It was over. put them on the field to say, oh, yeah, we need you to win this game for us. And, you know, they, they were unable to do that. So that that that's a position as a coach you don't want to put your players in. And then his explanation at the end of the game, Brandon, like he talked about getting a first down. Like why why was that even in the the, the context of your answer at all? Like why are you talking about getting a first down? One like that that to me is just it just confused me for the all night. I was up all night trying to think of like, why did he even say first down? And then, you know, somebody asked, Oh, did you not know how many timeouts that Georgia tech had? And he said, no, there was no confusion. So why are you talking about getting a first down and then talking about, Oh, we should have took a timeout and recalibrated, recalibrated. You needed a timeout to think about taking a knee. Like, this is not your first rodeo. You you've been a coach for how long? You, I think you know math, right? For it was less than forty seconds. They had no timeouts. This is like a six-year-old playing Madden knows to <laughs> take a knee. <laughs> you know, like it just it's just unexplainable his his explanation. And then you know to 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 a hundred yards. That question was asked. Did you want? Don Chaney to get 100 yards, he dismissed it immediately. I think if it was something because that it's was true, and, and, and here's the mind. thing it, here's the thing, Marcus, and, and I hate to cut you off. No, go ahead. That part has to be true. How do you dismiss vehemently the only rational explanation on planet Earth of why you would run the ball with a game already won under 40 seconds, no timeouts for the opposing team? and you choose not to make it, you have to be trying to get Don Chaney 100 yards. And to be honest, here's the mistake in all this. He should have came out and said that. He should have said, we were trying to get an embattled kid 100 yards. We made a terrible mistake. We own it. It'll never happen again. We're going to go and beat UNC. Question. That's a good, that's, Everybody that's a good would have understood it. Everybody would have criticized him but they would have understood it. That was the first mistake. The second mistake is when they had the actual ball and Malik Rutherford caught that pass 30 yards down the field, right? The Miami native, I would have called a timeout. Forget all of this. Hey, don't call a timeout. Don't set the thing up. You're putting your defense, like you said, who did not expect to be out there in a tremendously difficult situation. Yeah. Call a timeout. This game is potentially winnable, like losable now. Set yeah. your defense. Remind everybody, hey, Cam, do not let anybody get behind you. You are it. We can live with a field goal. 
We can just go to overtime. We're fine. We made a mistake. We own it. You shouldn't be in this position. But do not let anybody get behind you. Call timeout. So, so everybody's focusing on the not taking a knee. No, what about focusing on now that that happened? Because I'm a big move on from stuff. Stuff you cannot fix, let's move on from it. And let's focus on the next thing. The lack of calling a timeout turned into an even worse mismanagement of the last 20 seconds. How do yeah. you not? And once Malik Rutherford caught that pass from Haynes, you got to call timeout and say, hey, 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 everybody, let's get on one page and one accord. Forget what it does for them. They still have all the pressure. They're losing the game. Right. Right, right. That's actually a really, really great point because if he owns that, then then maybe the the national media is not ripping him at it's no maybe they wouldn't be as ripping him Nobody as much would. as they are now they would understand that and be like oh, okay we get that we understand we're still we still feel like it's a terrible decision but at least we can relate to that you know and that's how you can tell nobody has done crisis management over there because the first thing i would have said to him is coach You've got to tell, you've got to make it a love story. We love this kid. This kid, I saw his face during the offseason. He was broken. He was about to quit football. You know, this kid has gone through so much. He's had this issue after this issue. Wasn't even sure he's going to play again. He was two yards away from getting 99, and we wanted to give it to him. We feel like he didn't even fumble the ball. That call was blown. It's on me. I'll take it. I'll eat it on the chin. We're going to go and win the rest of our games, and we're ready to play. Questions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point by you because it it, it just makes it more of a human, humanistic type of story. People relate. People like people feel bad for Miami instead of, you know, ridiculing Miami today and all week and pretty much for his entire career. They're always going, he's always going to have this stigma now that he cannot finish off late games. He's done this. You've done this before when you were at Oregon against Stanford, almost the exact situation. Now this, 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 uh, stench stays with you. It's forever. It stays with Miami. Now. And here's the thing, Marcus, he's the compassionate coach. Remember he goes to visit exactly. Howard. In, in in the uh yep. in the hospital i've had lesser known things there have been kids who got hurt during miami seven on seven you know crystal balls followed up with the text like that's really who he is that's not disingenuous he's a very caring coach that's one of the his superpowers he yes. really cares about his coaches and his kids that's why this is so unfortunate because a good guy is being taken through the ringer and and i think you should just be forward with everybody and tell the truth if that's what it is because the if it's not if the truth is that you knew to took a knee and didn't that's far worse right that makes exactly. you one of the worst coaches to ever coach this game at that salary you yeah. cannot do that right and, and, and it's like you look at what you're giving up you're giving up undefeated season chance at the playoff acc is probably out unless you went out you, I mean, you forfeit so many things by just refusing to do, like, football is like every other game. There are rules. 
There are rules yeah. to the game. One of the rules is when the game is out of reach and the other team can't do anything about it, you take a knee because you end the game. And usually when they take that knee, before the clock gets to zero, the teams are already coming because they know there's nothing you can do. Right. It's over. There's still time left, but the game is over. Once it gets past 40, 40 seconds, because that's the game clock, and it's not fourth down, it's third, and they don't have any timeouts, can't stop the clock, and you're ahead, you take that knee, which represents you're basically going down. Yeah. Ball game, man. That's it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, the thing about Cristobal, what I've learned about him, just, you know, covering him for the past two years almost, it's that he doesn't reveal the truth. He doesn't want to reveal the truth. He does not trust the media at all. He he will, that's why he's very candid about injuries. He'll not ever, you know, he barely ever lets us even watch practice um, he, he, he runs a very, very tight ship when it comes to information. We, as journalists, we kind of struggled to kind of get information from coaches because he punishes them for releases, releasing information. Um, so he is like that, that that's his personality. That is how he has dealt with the media. As far as revealing information, this would have been a a a turning point for him if he would actually reveal the information about giving Don Chaney the opportunity to get 100 yards. And, and guess what? When you treat the media that way, and you can ask Jimbo Fisher and anybody else who's kind of snarky with the media, when they get a chance at you, when they get a chance to take a shot, they're going to take it. And, you've and that's seen why that. he's the subject of every conversation in college football this morning. Every blog, every podcast. We do a podcast against 12,000. We've never been over 1,000. And, right. and so when you take that stance, and this is to every college football coach, I, I consider myself a media veteran, 20 years in the business. When you do that and people have an opportunity to take it, you better, you better be living squeaky clean. Because yeah. when you when they give us when they get their chance, they're gonna show you how they felt, and this is what he's seeing today. And, yeah. and, and it's like for that reason alone, you take the knee. Like, dude, I don't want to hear these guys. You got <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, you got all these people talking about yeah. how bad this is. You got Bruce Feldman, like all major national media pundits. You got scathing articles and opinion pieces. Yeah, I mean, this thing is just bad. Yeah, it's bad, and it's going to continue to get worse, uh, especially if they continue to lose. So how does this team now recover from this situation? You know, it, I think is something that we need to kind of touch on before we get out of here, because we've seen this team kind of fall apart over the years when a, a big loss like this happens. And this is... This is actually not a huge, huge loss, like as in they're not in the ACC race anymore or this stops them from getting a bowl uh, to, to that magnitude. But emotionally, you saw you saw the kids on the sideline and, you know, the kids. Matt the, Lee, man, my heart goes out. Yeah. Uh, the press conference. I mean, the, emotionally, this game 
really takes a lot out of you. So how does this team recover? They have to recover quickly, too. They have to go on the road and play one of the best teams in the ACC, a hot team that wants to prove that they're are an ACC title contender and maybe a college football playoff contender. How do you recover? How do you build this team back up? How do you move on from a loss like this? Authenticity. You don't have to take the blame. You don't have to own it, you know, in front of the media, but you better, you better be authentic behind the scenes. You, you better say, Hey man, that starts with me. I didn't protect our team. I didn't protect this win. I didn't protect Don Chaney. I didn't protect Tyler Van Dyke. I didn't protect Shannon Dawson. I didn't protect the University of Miami, the brand, the logo, the U. I own that. And now I want everybody to take accountable accountability for whatever they did in that game. And I would have everybody write down what they feel like they did. Kitchens, hey, I cannot bite up to Corey Couch, bid up a little bit on the Malik Rutherford play. Um uh, Don Chaney, obviously, let the ball go. You can't do that. You got to be two hands on the football late in the game, especially if they're giving you the opportunity to go for 100, and you know how special that is. Uh, Van Dyke, you can't be as bad as you were. Everybody has to own it. I take, I let everybody write it down, put it in a pot, flame it up, and say, guess what? Let's flush it. We move on because everything we want is still in front of us. This team can actually still make the college football playoff. I'm not saying that's the goal, but – you got to flush it, be authentic, and then move on. Shannon Dawson, got to get back to what you were doing. Throw everything out from that game. You have one or two, you know, sort of pass or whatever. If you were managing Tyler and you thought, hey, let me just open him up and let him go back to managing him. Whatever it is, I'm not a smart enough football guy, an offensive mind to understand what changed in that game, but I know something changed. It wasn't the same team. I don't know whether it was the bye week. I don't know whether it was getting kitchens. I don't know what it was. But whatever it is, it's got to be flushed, and then you got to move on. Got to be accountable. Everybody's got to take responsibility because if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, I said, who is this on? This is on everybody. Everybody's yeah. responsible. Let's set up a chain of accountability and protocol in our coaching staff. Let's have an analyst who's de designated to remind us, hey, this is how my – because whoever that person is on the staff – they have a lot to blame, too. Somebody's responsible for knowing how many timeouts, down and distance, you know, what can be done. That person fell asleep at the wheel. If their person doesn't exist, they need to be named today. Yeah. Figure all that stuff out and then go into North Carolina like you need to go in. It's strictly business. You're going to be playing a really good quarterback. So that back that back end has to be as good as it's been uh, in the past. And so that's how you do it. You 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 immediately watch this by winning on the road. And I always said, Marcus, we'll learn everything we need to learn about this team when they go on the road at North Carolina. I didn't think we would learn how they are, you know, in their mental makeup. I yeah. thought we would learn what they are as a football team, but now we're going right. to learn what they are as a program. Sure. You know, this is like, this has become the biggest game in the University of Miami in 20 years. Because yeah. it's like, if, if there's going to be a meltdown, we'll see it immediately. They'll get blown out of there. That, that no. game will be 50 to nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. if we see something like that, that means Coach Cristobal has lost the team. And I'm going to say this. I say this every time. When being critical of Coach, I actually like the guy. I think he's really good in a lot of areas. I think yeah. he struggles in one. And one thing, and I'm a minister, I think you know that. One thing we teach, if you struggle in an area, that's the area you have to attack. You can't just play up your strengths. 
Right. You know what I mean? Like when you're not good at math and oh, you're really good at science and social studies. No, you got to focus on the area you're not good in because the area you're not good in, that's where you're vulnerable to make the biggest mistakes. And that's what this team needs to do. That's what this coach needs to do. Absolutely. I said it on my uh, instant reaction that, that I do on, on YouTube that they need to gather up all of those black jerseys. They need to say what they want to, you know, not have in their life anymore, or they want to make sure that, you know, whatever they want to do for, for their season from this point forward, they need to say it out loud. They need to have a campfire. And then they, once they say it out loud, they burn they the jersey. Burn. <laughs> they burn the jersey because that jersey will never be worn again. I guarantee you that. That's hey, brand Can I point good. something out real quick? Yeah, sure. Georgia Tech wore black jerseys last week <laughs> against Bowling Green and got embarrassed at home. Right. The black jerseys need to be retired. Unless you're Colorado and you got them in your set that you always wear, leave, leave the jerseys. Like Georgia, don't come out in no black jerseys. I know y'all got a couple of alternates. Leave the yeah. black jerseys at home. Leave yeah. them in the locker yeah, definitely. Miami needs to, needs to come out in all white because it needs to be a, a, a clean slate uh, for this North Carolina. Holy. <laughs> yeah, they need something. They need some kind of divine intervention to get this team back on track. We'll see if they do. That is Brandon O'Doy, ladies and gentlemen, representing for footballhotbed.com. Great stuff from you. How can they find out more information uh, from you and you know any other podcast that you do? Yeah, footballhotbed.com. Uh, we have the Real Ones Canes podcast, myself and Brian London. Of course, Marcus used to be a part of Football Bed. That's why we're connected. And so we're like family with everyone here on Canes County. Uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, Brandon underscore Odoy, and at footballhotbed.com. We're mostly focused on the high school space. We do some college coverage with the Canes and a couple of other schools. But, you know, recruiting, showcasing your talents, and get into that next level. That's why we focus so much on what's happening in college football because yeah. you know we want to help kids get to that route. And you know, it's just it's just what we try to provide. So yeah, just still can't believe it. I couldn't sleep till about 2 a.m. Marcus. <laughs> I was up to like I was up to like five. It was just a, a crazy night of of just reflection and just uh, surrealness. Uh, but uh, we, we, we live to play another week, just like Pop said in Friday. It's like you win some, you lose some, but you live. You live to fight another day. So we'll see what the hur Hurricanes have for us this weekend. Thank you again for joining me. And yes, definitely. I owe a lot to footballhotbed.com uh, and just, just the brand and what it has done for me. And what has it has done for kids over the years um, is just and what I've done for kids for over the years, helping promote kids. It, it's really a great platform. Uh, make sure you go to that website for for information on the hurricanes, as well as high school football in this football hotbed area uh, that is Florida and Georgia and, and other places as well. As far as Arizona, California, football hotbed is everywhere. It's a hotbed world. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, man. Um, make sure you subscribe to the website, canescounty.com. Use the promo code Miami30. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Also, this podcast. Make sure you subscribe to it on all platforms, the Storm Tracker Podcast. Until the next episode.